Amen. Good morning. We, uh, we're starting uh, a new series for the month of December on looking at the person of Christ. Obviously, uh, we know December, we celebrate the birth of Christ. And one of the things I want to look at over the next couple of weeks as we look into the person of Christ is, is, is answering the question, um, why did Jesus actually come to earth? Why did God come um, to earth? And we're going to answer that question um, over the uh, next couple of weeks. And we're going to look at how Jesus was perfect and, and how Jesus perfectly uh, can meet the different needs in your life. And, and all of us are deficient. And if we're left to our own demise, we, we can easily make mistakes and make uh, and, and have uh, try to make calls in our lives and try to gain wisdom from the world that gets us into a lot of trouble. And, and I love this about the person of Christ because he comes to fulfill the needs in our life that we could never find or never be fulfilled um, in this world. And so we're going we're gonna to look at how Christ fills those things in, in our life. And, 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 and it's just amazing to me um, how Jesus' birth just changed everything. Um, whether, whether you believe that Jesus is the Son of God or not, we, we all have to come to the conclusion that the person of Jesus Christ did change Everything the, the world would never be the same after Christ. The, the influence of Jesus and his original disciples made an impact in this world that forever changed it. And I, I just want to put it a little bit into perspective uh, for you. Um, this was done by an unknown person. They don't know who the author is, but, but I just love this quote. It says, Socrates taught for 40 years, Plato for 50, Aristotle for 40, and Jesus for three Yet the influences of Christ's three-year ministry infinitely transcends the impact left by the combined 130 years of teaching from these men who were known amongst the greatest philosophers of all antiquity. There is something about the person of Jesus. There's just something about the person of Jesus. When you mention the name of Jesus the room scatters, right? When, when, when Jesus' name is mentioned, you can talk about God, but when you talk about Jesus, that, that's where people begin to perk up. And, and so there's something about Christ. This is what I love about Jesus, what separates him from any other uh, religious figure. Um, someone once said that Buddha never claimed to be God. Moses never claimed to be Jehovah. Muhammad never claimed to be Allah, yet Jesus Christ claimed to be the true and living God. Buddha simply said, I am a teacher in search of the truth. Jesus said, I am the truth. Confucius said, I never claimed to be holy. Jesus says, who convicts me of sin? Muhammad said, unless God throws his cloak of mercy over me, I have no hope. Jesus says, unless you believe in me, you will die in your sins. You see, the interesting thing about Christ is that he actually claimed to be the way, the truth, and the life, and that no person could come unto the Father except through him. So what we're going to do is, over the next couple of weeks for this Christmas season, we're going to look at why God came to earth, why Jesus is perfect, and, and why God himself came in human form. And, and what we believe is God himself came in human form through the virgin birth of Mary, we call this the incarnation. Now, the incarnation is basically just a, a fancy Latin word that means God with meat or, or God with flesh. Um, if I'm eating at a 
Mexican restaurant or we go on a lot of trips to South America, I know what the Spanish word for meat is. And it's carne, incarnation. If I'm eating chili, I want chili con carne. I don't want vegan chili. I don't want vegetarian chili. I want chili with meat. Excuse me if I have a little conviction about that. Now, for some of you, I live down south. Uh, Some of you may know this type of chili because this chili is amazing. When I lived in South Carolina, there was a woman from the Midwest, from the Cincinnati area, and there's a chili called Skyline Chili. Has anybody, does anybody here know what Skyline Chili is? Good, four of you. That's good. Sky, if you, and those of you that, that have had it, it's awesome because basically what it is, is chili without the beans. It's just meat. It's just, it's like ground up meat that you can put over hot dogs. Can I get an amen? Um, and what they do is they, they, they boil pasta and they'll actually put that chili over the pasta. And this one woman, Mrs. Mrs. Carmen would make this chili. I'm like, where was this all my life? Where was this skyline chili? They don't make it up here. And if you do make it, you can make me some. I'd love that. Um, but it's just, it's just meat. It's just chili with meat. So I, I, I apologize to, to you vegans and vegetarians. Not really, but I apologize to you vegans and vegetarians. But here's the thing. Why did Jesus come to earth? What was the purpose of him coming to earth? And, and Jesus answers this question for us. And he, he came to do the will of the Father. John 6, 38, Jesus gives his reason for coming to earth. He says, I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. Jesus came to fulfill what was anticipated about him. And Jesus made it very, very clear that he did not come to diminish or disregard the Old Testament, but in fact, he came to accomplish everything that God set out to do. Matthew 5, verses 17 through 18, Jesus explains that the Christ came to fulfill the law. Jesus says, do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets, I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one iota, not a dot will pass away from the law until all of it is accomplished. Now, now that word is important. Jesus came to accomplish what God originally set out to do. So the question we need to ask ourselves is not just, okay, this is a great season. We celebrate this little baby in a manger. Isn't that cute with the, you know, with the shepherds around and we sing all these cute Christmas carols. But is that it? There is so much more I want you to understand about the Christ coming to earth. It was actually God himself coming in flesh to fulfill the very thing that God set out to do. So the question to ask ourselves is, what was Jesus fulfilling? God worked his plan out to man through basically three offices that we can see in the Old Testament. And these were the office of prophet, the office of priest, and the office of king. And we're going we're gonna to unpack each one of those offices over the next three weeks. And I want you to see how Jesus fulfilled 
All three of those. Now, here's, here's the cool thing about that. Is that by Jesus perfectly fulfilling all three of those offices, he perfectly fulfills what you have been desiring in your life all your life. Because as prophet, Jesus is going to come and speak truth to you. As, as Jesus fulfilling the office of priest, he's going to minister to you like no one else could. He's going to minister to your deepest needs like no one else can. And by fulfilling the office of king, Jesus will lead your life because you can't lead your life yourself. Because we make so many mistakes. And as Jesus as Lord and king over your life, he will direct your life and lead your life as a perfect king should. And so we're going to look at all three of those over the next three weeks. And what we're going to kind of unpack today is Jesus being uh, the perfect prophet. And now this is very important for us to understand because in the Old Testament, there was not one person, not one godly leader that, that perfectly fulfilled all three of those offices. Jesus Christ is the only one to perfectly fulfill those three offices. So what did each of these offices provide for God's people. So what I want to look at today is how Jesus was that perfect prophet. So let me just real quickly explain to you the purpose of the Old Testament prophet. The prophet in the Old Testament literally spoke the word of God. The prophet in the Old Testament was not the probably the funnest job in all the world. They at times would have to stand against what was uh, popular at the time, and they would actually have to speak truth into God's people who many times would walk away from the Lord and backslide. And so when they came, they would speak God's truth and say, you need to turn from your backsliding and turn unto the Lord. A lot of people did not want to hear that. So what they did was they brought correction. They confronted sin and they brought the heart of God. The prophet brought the truth to hardened hearts at times. And so when they heard the message and they repented, God would restore them. But many times people would hear the message and continue to allow their hearts to be hardened. How many know that when you bring the truth to someone and they humble themselves and they turn from their ways, it's a most wonderful thing. But how many of you know the opposite is also true? That when you bring that same truth, people also can harden their hearts to it. The Puritans have a saying, the same sun that melts the ice hardens the clay. The same sun that melts the ice hardens the clay. You see the prophet at that in, in the Old Testament, faced the same issues. The prophets also spoke of God's future plan. They spoke of the Messiah that would come. So what, what I want to look at today is how Jesus speaks truth to us. Before we jump into there, I want to show you how Jesus was the fulfillment of all the things that the Old, of, of the Old Testament prophets spoke of. Because the Old Testament prophets spoke of a Messiah that would come, fulfilling everything that God desired to do in his people. And so here are some just neat things. Because, listen, I can sit here and tell you that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And, and you say, well, you believe that because you're a pastor or, or whatever. But I want to show you that there's so much evidence that proves that Jesus is who he says he is. It's just not lip service. There's evidence behind the claims that Jesus makes. And so one of the most wonderful evidence that we have through the word of God is that Jesus fulfilled prophecy that was said about him. Not just vague prophecy, but specific prophecy that was said about 
Jesus Christ. There are over 300 prophecies talking about this Messiah, this Savior. And let me just say, for those of you that that may be here and, and you may be thinking, well, how do we know for sure it's Jesus? Should we be waiting for someone else? I want to show you right here how the the prophets of the Old Testament were were speaking, but no one less than Jesus Christ himself. Over 300 of them alone. Now, this is amazing. Let me share with you what a, a miracle this is of Jesus Christ himself fulfilling these prophecies. Let me just say this. The odds... Of any one man are astronomical of fulfilling 300 prophecies. I, I just, in, 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 what's neat about this is the probability of this is just astronomical. So what's a probability? Well, a probability is also known as odds. It's a, it's a branch of mathematics that measures the likelihood, likelihood of a given event that will occur. To begin, I want to look at some interesting odds. Let's just look at some interesting odds in our world and, and talk about this probability. And then I want to see how astronomical it was for Jesus just fulfilling these prophecies that were spoken about him in the Old Testament. Okay, the probability of being struck by lightning in a year, smart people that know how to do this, figured this out, is seven to the ten, or seven times 10 to the fifth power or one in 700,000. Of you being struck by lightning. Being killed by lightning in a year is two times 10 to the sixth power or one and two million. Becoming president is one times 10 to the seventh power or 10 million. A meteorite landing on your house is 1.8 times 10 to the 14th power. I have no idea how to even say that number. It's just so. The probabilities are, are, are so, uh, are just astronomical. Um, the probability that you will die is one in one. The probability of the Bills winning the Super Bowl this year. Yeah. The probability of my children taking out the garbage without being asked is one in two trillion zillion quadrillion million 468,332. What are the odds? Let me, let me, let's just, someone figured this out, which amazes me, but what are the odds of Jesus not just fulfilling 300 prophecies about him, but what about just eight? If we were just to, to take eight. Now, someone actually figured this out. Uh, Josh McDowell in his book, Evidence That Demands a Verdict, Quotes from a doctor named Peter Stoner, who was the author of Science Speaks. And he discovered the probability of Jesus not just fulfilling 300, but just eight prophecies about him. So what he did is he took probably eight of the most common prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. For instance, where he would be born, specifically where he would be born, the city that he would be born in, in Bethlehem, how much money he would be betrayed for, what type of death would he die. And these are specific prophecies that Jesus fulfilled from the Old Testament. Now, the probability of Jesus just fulfilling eight prophecies would be one in 10 to the 17th power. That's 17 zeros. Now, for those of you that just can't wrap your mind around that, let let me give you an illustration that they give how, how just astronomical this is for Jesus to fulfill this. If you took 10 to the 17th power silver dollars and laid them cover to cover 
in the state of Texas, and you were to cover the state two feet deep in these silver dollars, and you would mark one of those silver dollars and mix it into the lump. And then you were to blindfold a person and tell them they can walk as far as they want, but they must pick up one silver dollar and say, this is the right one. What would be the chance? The chance would be the same as eight prophecies coming true in one man. You see, Jesus made it clear that he was the one the prophets were talking about. Let me give you some scriptures that, 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 that point to this. Luke 24, 27. It says, and in the beginning, with Moses and the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning him. The things concerning Jesus. Matthew 25, 56. But all this has taken place that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. And then all the disciples left him. See, why is Jesus this, this perfect prophet? Not only is he a perfect prophet because he fulfilled the prophecies, the Old Testament prophecies that were concerning him. But Jesus was not just someone who simply spoke the word of God. He was the word of God. He wasn't just someone that came in the name of God. He was actually God himself that came in human flesh. As we see in the word of God, we understand that Jesus was the living incarnate word. John explains this for us in John 1.1 when he said that the word, speaking of Christ, became flesh. He says this, in the beginning was the word and the word or the Greek word logos was with God and the word was God. Now, we understand that logos or the, or the word of God, we can see it in two ways. We can see it through the, the, the written word. When you, when you see in your Bibles, this is God's written word that, that's living and active and sharper than any double-edged sword. We can see this as we read the word of God. But also we can see this living word in Jesus Christ himself. He is the living word. Wouldn't that be a great name for a church? <laughs> wow. Just a great name for a church. So, so here we see the, the written word, which we see in our Bibles, and we see the living word that is in Christ. Later on in, in John 1, he, he describes this in, in, in verse 14. He says, and, and he gives the purpose of the word coming in flesh. He says, and the word became flesh and actually dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as the only son from the father, full of Grace and truth. Okay, now this is where we're going to get to the point of not only did Jesus fulfill the office of prophet concerning the Old Testament prophecies, but now we're going to see as Jesus, this perfect priest, what did the word come to do? Well, the word came among us to proclaim God's will to us in both grace and in both truth. And so we're going to look at today how Jesus the prophet proclaims truth to you just as the Old Testament prophets would to proclaim God's will to you and I. How many of you understand that it's the truth that will set you free? How many of you know we don't always like the truth? The truth hurts sometimes, doesn't it? When someone lays out the truth before you and you know that you're wrong and you have to swallow your pride, how many like doing that? That's not fun. 
But here's the reason why Jesus came. Because if we don't grasp the truth, and if we don't understand that we're in a mess, and that we're sinners, and we need a Savior, our hearts are going to continually become hardened and hardened and hardened. And that's exactly what happened to Jesus. There were some that came when he came, and he spoke the truth to them, and they were wide open, and they came to Jesus. And there was others that heard it, and they rebelled against Christ and his word, and their hearts became hardened because they didn't like what this prophet was saying. But I want you to notice that John says that Jesus is full of grace and truth. Jesus, as the perfect prophet, speaks to our deepest needs. And sometimes the truth hurts because it speaks to a deficiency that's in my life. When I was younger and I would read different passages in the Bible, I, many times I, I would just, how many would just get discouraged? I would get discouraged sometimes reading the word of God because when I would read these things, I'd be like, wow, you know, this hurts, you know, and, and I know there's a, a deficiency in my life that needs to change. And, and, and I would ask the Lord, Lord, help me to, to change in these things because God's truth would begin to speak to areas in my life that I knew didn't add up to what God expected of me. When I began to hear the truth, that Jesus was the way, the truth, and the life, and that he came to die for sinners, and that I needed to become born again, that my heart needed to change, that I needed a savior, that I would die in my sins. When I began to hear that truth proclaimed, there was a conflict within my life. And the conflict was this. The conflict was, am I going to live my life the way I want to live it? Or am I going to bow my heart to Jesus Christ and be obedient to him and allow him to live through me now? See, if you don't get to that point in your life, uh, the world and Jesus are not good bedfellows. It, it, you're going to compromise constantly. It, 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 there's no walking the fence in Christianity. You can't have the world and try to mix Jesus in with it and try to live comfortably because you will live a miserable life that way. And so the truth of the matter is, when, when, when I was confronted with that truth, that Jesus is the only way, that he is the son of God, and I needed to bow my heart to him. As a 16-year-old, that was a huge conflict because now I'm like, okay, wait a minute. What does that mean when it comes to my friends that I hang out with? What does that mean by how I live my life? What does that mean to the language that I speak or whatever it is? And all of a sudden, it was like, either I really believe that Jesus is the son of God and he died for my sins or I don't. And it took me a long time to bow my heart to Jesus Christ. And my parents would bring me to church every week to a church that preached the full gospel, that, that preached the, the, the message of Christ and that you need a sinner. And, and this is what the church would do too. Is like they would actually challenge you to make a decision. They would actually challenge people to say, hey, if that's you today, why don't you come forward and have somebody pray with you? Why don't you stand up? Wait, I'm like, what? Don't be getting in my face. Don't, don't be getting, how do they know? How do they know getting into my life? How dare they? I just want to come to church and just do the church thing and leave. Like we used to do at the church I grew up in, right? <laughs> There's no conviction. There's just, we did our religious thing and we left. All of a sudden, there was truth being preached to my heart. And it challenged me. And I didn't like it. So do you think I wanted to go to church every week? No way. But my parents made me go, thank God my parents said, Barden, we're going to church every week. That's what we do as a family. Thank God they did that. Because what they did is they allowed me to sit 
under the preaching of God's word and to hear the truth of God. Now, the pastor did it in a wonderful way, wonderful pastor, still pastoring the same church, and he did a great way of presenting the gospel. It wasn't the pastor. He wasn't up there spitting and yelling and screaming at me. He was just simply preaching the word of God and allowing the Holy Spirit to do the work that it needed to do. Do you hear what I'm saying? It's, 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 it's not so much perspiration as it is inspiration, right? It doesn't matter how much you sweat and scream and yell. How many know you, can, I, you could make people feel guilty for five minutes and they're going to go right back into their lifestyle again if that's the case? Jesus never came to guilt you into the kingdom. He never guilts us because Jesus knows that type of leverage never works, right? It may work with your kids for a while as a parent. We all do it. But it doesn't, Jesus doesn't guilt us. He doesn't condemn us. And so what the Holy Spirit does is it, it comes in direct conflict to my heart and my life that says I need a Savior. And that's the truth of Christ. And that's what Jesus came to do. So as the perfect prophet, he speaks to our our deepest needs, the deficiency that was in my life. And what I began to discover in my relationship with Christ is that when Jesus began to speak to my heart, I understood that it was repentance that led me to freedom. Not, not, not sitting there and saying, you know, trying to make excuses for my sin and trying to justify the way I live my life. When I repented before the Lord and I bowed my heart before him, that's when God's grace flooded into my life. And that's when Jesus began to meet the deepest needs in my heart that I couldn't fix myself. And so Jesus, what he does is, is he speaks the truth to us. But then just as, 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 as John says in John 1.14, he came with truth and grace. How many know if we just hear the truth and hear the truth and hear the truth, but there's no love and grace applied to it, it can harden hearts even more. And so what Jesus did is he goes, I'm going to show you the way. I'm going to speak the truth to you, but I'm also going to lay my life down for you. I'm going to show you, I'm going to demonstrate to you and for you how much I love you by laying my life, my perfect life down for you to be your savior. And if you put your faith in me, I will cleanse you of all your unrighteousness. That's grace. So yes, he does speak to our sin that we need to change, but also he shows us by laying his life down for us. I love this passage in Isaiah, Isaiah 118. And listen to what the prophet says here, speaking uh, God's heart to his people. He said, come now, let us reason together. Let us reason together, says the Lord, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. You see, what Jesus does is he doesn't just come to speak the truth and to say, okay, you're all sinners and you're going to die in your sin and you're going to go to hell. Have a nice day. God bless you. Right? That's not what he did. He comes to show us that we need a savior. But what he did was he took it a step further and, and, and showed us the heart of God by saying, listen, not only am I going to point out that you need a savior, but I'm going to, I'm going to die to those sins for you. I'm going to take care of the penalty of sin that, that ultimately is death for you by giving my life on the cross. You see, that's what a prophet does. The prophet speaks the will of God. And sometimes that truth is going to hurt. Sometimes that truth is going to come and juxtapose itself against your life. And you're going to say, wait a minute, I don't like this. But let me tell you this. 
Here's God's answer to you. Come, let us reason together. Listen, even though your sins are scarlet, you messed up. You made a, 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 a lot of mistakes. How many of you ever think about your past? And, and you kind of overthink and you're like, man, did I make some mistakes? How many of you ever, you're just having a good old day and all of a sudden you're reminded of something you did in your past or the mistake you made? And the enemy swoops in and just starts playing with your mind. Just, ah, see, you think you're a Christian and look at all the mistakes that you made. You know, how can you call yourself a Christian if you've made these mistakes? How many, how many know what I'm talking about? You just, you, you get that guilt and that condemnation. And then you, then you, you end up doing this works righteousness where you say, well, I got, I'll just pick myself up and I'll try to be better. I'll try to be better. I'll try to be better. And just adds more guilt and condemnation because you feel like you can never be the Christian that God has called you to be. Jesus says, stop that. Even though your sins are as scarlet, come to me and I will make them white as snow. Because I did it for you. That's how much I love you as, as your prophet. Yeah, I'm going to speak truth to you. There's going to be conviction from the Holy Spirit in your life because of sin. And juxtaposed against a holy God, you're going to feel like, man, my life doesn't measure up. But God says, I don't want you to wallow in your guilt and condemnation. I want you to come to me to find healing and to find forgiveness and to find my grace. I know that you're a sinner, Jesus says. I know that you're messed up. I know that Jesus knows that we're all dysfunctional. He knows that. He's not looking for perfect churches, perfect Christians that look good and smell good, right? And have Christian homes and listen to Christian music and wear Christian clothes and have Christian saved animals. That's not what God's looking for, right? Where do we get, where do we get off on all that? We, we just totally... He's saying, listen, I'm looking for people that will listen to my word and obey me. Not to set up some behavioral modification system and to set up a cool little Christian utopia where everybody looks good and acts right and knows how to say the right Christian words. That's not what Jesus came. He came to bring the truth and to say, I want to change your heart. I want to change your life. I want you to become obedient to me. And then the attraction of the world becomes less and less and less in comparison to Jesus Christ. It doesn't hold its value any longer because it's not that appealing anymore. You see, Jesus speaks to our sin as a good prophet does, but he doesn't leave us there. His grace heals and it delivers. Jesus fulfills that role of the prophet. He came as God to speak to us directly. And as a perfect prophet, he speaks the truth of God. Let me just finish with this scripture because I love Jesus, what he, what he does as this perfect prophet and how he speaks to the heart of people. Listen to what he says to the people that were gathered around him and listening to his teachings. And listen to the difference that he makes to those that thought they were so religious, the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees thought they were so perfect and holy and they did everything right. Listen to how he speaks to the religious and listen to how he speaks to the sinner. He says, and the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples saying, why do they eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, those who are well have no need for a physician. But those who are sick have not come to call the righteous, but the sinner to repentance. 
You see, Jesus boldly confronted the self-righteous and gave grace to the repentant heart. You see, Jesus, full of grace and truth as a prophet, speaks to our condition. And as that perfect prophet, he reveals the deficiency of our heart. And there are some that think they can please God by their religiosity and how perfect they are and and, and by all their dues and, and what they do and what they don't do. And they, they have a little map and they have a spreadsheet. And, you know, all the, you know they, they think by doing all these good things that I'm pleasing God. And, and he said, that's not what pleases me. What pleases me is a repentant heart that knows that they've missed something. And when the truth comes in and when the truth is spoken, our hearts are humbled before the Lord And we allow God's grace and his mercy to be applied to our hearts so that we can find healing. And see, this is what we're going to talk about next week because next week we're going to talk about how Jesus becomes that perfect priest in your life to meet the deepest needs in your hearts. You don't want to miss next week. And so, listen. Here's, here's, let me just, I'm just going to ask you a question. When's the last time that you repented before the Lord? When's the last time that you said, you know what, God, I was wrong here. My heart is not right before you. I, I've allowed things to kind of creep into my heart. And, and, and when I'm listening to your word, right away, you can do one of two things. You can say, wow, that Lord helped me in that area and let me apply that to my heart so that I can change. Or do we tend to justify and make excuses because if, if I'm because uh, that's the default of my heart is I automatically make excuse well I was tired well you know it's been a hard well it's just people are just mean people are just dumb people can't drive right and we just make excuses you know people are just rude people just want to cut in line people blah blah, blah. people are materialistic Christmas is all about blah, blah, blah. and you just we turn to a bunch of scrooges right and meanwhile God's saying it's not them It's not the people that maybe irritate you that drive or the people that cut in front of you at Wegmans or or wherever you're shopping. Jesus saying, no, I want to deal with your heart because there's something deficient in your heart that's causing you to be disgruntled and irritated and whatever it may be. You see, the default of my heart is always to protect myself. The default of my heart is always to say, it's not my fault, right? Just like Fonzie on Happy Days. He could never admit that he was wrong, right? I wasn't wrong. He couldn't admit it. And so many times we don't want to admit that we're wrong. So here's, here's my, my encouragement to you here today. Jesus doesn't come to give you truth just to beat you down deeper and lower and condemn you and guilt you because that's not Jesus' way. Jesus comes to speak the truth in your life so that you can find freedom. The Son sets free. It's free indeed. He wants to set you free today. And so as we pray and we come before the Lord today, allow the Holy Spirit to just speak to your heart today. And maybe an area that you've put on the shelf or God has been speaking to you about 
and you haven't really been dealing with it, allow the Lord to speak to your heart today. Maybe there's some hardness in there. You know, listen, listen to me. When you get angry or, or you're irritated really quick, quick, quickly and, and you're just whatever, frustrated or whatever it may be, listen, it's not just simply that your life is busy because we're all busy, right? We're all busy. We all have problems, right? You're not the only one that has problems. We all have problems, right? We all have pressures in our life. But so many times when I react to something and I'm frustrated and I get angry and I go off the handle too easily, it's not simply everybody else's fault. There's something deeper going in my, in my heart that Jesus wants to deal with. He wants to deal with the root of why you're so upset and why you get so irritated and why there's not peace in there. Jesus wants to go deeper into your heart. And the only way to deal with that is by pulling it out by the root. And the way you pull it out by the root is through repentance and saying, Jesus, forgive me for the way I've acted. Maybe, here's some steps, maybe you're with a coworker and you weren't the best witness and you got irritated. Maybe it's going to that coworker and telling them you're sorry for the way that you acted. Parents, maybe you flew off the handle with one of your children because you were so irritated with them. Maybe it's going to your children and saying, you know what? I did not act the best way there. Would you forgive me? Maybe it's with your spouse. Maybe you just had a, 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 just a blow-up fight. Maybe you had a blow-up fight before you came to church today. Maybe it was last night, and you weren't even going to come to church today because you're like, why even go to church because we're so mad at each other? Maybe you slept back-to-back -back last night. I don't know. Maybe it was this week, and you need to humble yourself to each other and ask for forgiveness. See, God knows what's going on in our hearts, but unless we take that step of humility and asking God to forgive us, it's, it's never going to work. And so Jesus says as the prophet, as he speaks to your heart and life, say, hey, forgive me, Lord. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me, Lord. And then go to that person and make it right. Amen? Boy, it got real quiet in here. Okay? So let's pray. And let's ask the Lord, listen, as your heads are bowed, let, let's go before the Lord today and just ask God to deal with our hearts today. Lord, as we stand before you and as we sit before you today, we thank you that you're that perfect prophet. Lord, forgive us. Lord, I know for me the default of my heart is always to protect Barden. And I know that I've, I've acted in ways that are unbecoming of you, and, and I ask for your forgiveness in, in those things. Lord, I pray for anyone here today that just needs to make it right, not only as they come before you and you tell us to, to, before we offer our gift at the altar, that we need to go to that person and make it right. And maybe there's some anger built up in our heart. Maybe there's some animosity. Maybe there's a thing that we did that, that just was unbecoming of of following you and you're speaking to our hearts and we need to make it right with that person or that child or that coworker or that spouse. Lord, I pray that we would take that step of humility and bow our hearts before you and allow the Holy Spirit to convict us so that we might find healing and that we might find your grace. For anyone that's seated here today that is not bowed their heart before you, dear Jesus, as their hearts are bowed before you right now. 
I thank you that your word says that anyone that calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And you can forgive any heart that's here today. There is no one that is so lost that you have not come to die for and to bring healing and forgiveness. So I pray for anyone here today that needs to find your forgiveness as they lay their heart before you right now in this sanctuary, that they would do that and that they would give their heart to you, God, that they would lay their life before you, that they would confess their sins before you and believe that you and you alone are the only one who can save. So I pray that now for every heart here today. So we thank you for who you are. We exclaim that you and you alone are the true prophet, are the perfect prophet who speaks the truth of God that can release us from the slavery of sin. And so as we bow our hearts before you today, we pray for forgiveness and healing for our lives. And we thank you for your patience. Thank you for your patience. That you're a patient God waiting for us to come to repentance. Thank you for being that perfect prophet in our life. And so we ask, Jesus, that you would be Lord over our lives as we proclaim that you and you alone are God. So we love you and we thank you. And we ask these things in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen. Let's stand and um, let's, let's proclaim this song as Jesus, as we crown him, as we believe that he and he alone is our Savior. Amen. God bless you guys as you sing this unto the Lord. Amen. So
majesty, Lord of all, let every throne before him fall, the King of kings, oh come adore our God who reigns forevermore, majesty, Praise. Amen. 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 Listen, before I, I release you today, um, listen to a couple things. For those of you that maybe you're here today and, and you want to further your journey with Jesus, and maybe you just made a commitment to him today, um, we do have a free booklet on our information table at the Welcome Center. It's called What Now? That's free. Um, the Bibles and all the seats are free. If you don't have one, you can take one of those. Those are our, our gift to you. And if you're here today and you just need prayer today, something you're going through, whatever you're going through today, our prayer partners are available and they'll be up front to pray with, pray with you whatever you're going through today and uh, allow you to be ministered to from the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Good day. Good day. God's word is always good. Amen. You are dismissed. God bless you. Have a great day.